Hey everyone, welcome to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. In the Mobile User Acquisition Show, we talk about how to use mobile user acquisition strategies to grow your app quickly and capital efficiently. The Mobile User Acquisition Show is presented by me, Shamant Rao, mobile growth leader and founder and CEO of the mobile growth consulting firm, Rocketship HQ. Each episode includes strategies, tips, and pointers from the leading edge of mobile user acquisition that you can use to unlock tremendous growth for your app in a sustainable and capital-efficient manner. Welcome to the second episode of the Mobile Dev Member Academy preview series. Our guest today is Eric Suford. Eric is the founder of Hercules and Mobile Dev Memo. Eric is a media strategist and quantitative marketer who spent his career working for consumer technology and media companies, including Skype and Rovio. Eric most recently sold his mobile advertising analytics company, Agamemnon, to the mobile gaming company, Network. In today's episode, we get into a macroeconomic perspective on what the current pandemic means for the mobile app economy and how we might see the world change over the next couple of months. This is absolutely something Eric has a great deal of perspective on, uh, both an understanding of the macroeconomics as well as how the mobile app economy is shifting. And I'm thrilled to have him dive into and share all of this. Also, as I said, this is the second episode of the Mobile Dev Memo Academy preview series. And Eric is teaching the course Introduction to Market Cohort Analysis for the Mobile Dev Memo Academy. Check his course out on mdm.academy alongside some of the other courses taught by some of the smartest folks in mobile. Of course, Eric is the brain behind Mobile Dev Memo Academy, which has been held under the auspices of Mobile Dev Memo. Huge props to him for making this project happen. As the pandemic makes massive changes to the economy, to our digital lifestyles, and to the retention and monetization profiles of every app that we can be working with. These courses are perhaps very timely in helping you adapt, learn, and upskill, and I highly recommend checking these out. Very excited to welcome Eric Suford on the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Eric is a repeat guest. Uh, we love him. We love a lot of his writing. I've learned so much every time I've read his stuff. Very excited to have you, Eric, today. Thanks for having me again. It's very nice to be back. Indeed. So we're going to talk about how the world has changed since we last spoken. The world is a dramatically different place. And we're going to talk uh, to you about something you've had a very informed opinion on, which is how COVID-19 and the pandemic is affecting the mobile app ecosystem. As you pointed out and as you've written, Eric, a lot of apps have had their fortune swing wildly over the last couple of weeks. Uh, now, if you look at the macroeconomics, and this is something I find that you are very plugged into, do you get the sense that this is a temporary setback that the global economy could recover from as soon as the pandemic abates? Or is this something that could be much more longer lasting? What are some of the macroeconomic signs that you're seeing? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I'm really happy to discuss this stuff. So just a little bit of background on me, because I think 
it's been really interesting to see so many people become not only epidemiology experts throughout this, this pandemic, but also economists. I'm not huge on credentialism, but I do think it's helpful to kind of highlight one's bona fides when they are about to espouse opinions and on subjects which require some expertise you know, in, in order to kind of make interesting and insightful points about. So my background is I have a, have a master's degree in economics, but I studied transition economies in my degree. And so I studied uh, mostly economies that were transitioning from command economy uh, structures, so basically, you know, communist countries, economies to free market structures and, and all the kind of economic liberalism that happened. But I was doing that during the global financial crisis, right? So I started my program in 2008 and I was actually really lucky to just have timed it like that because I think I probably wouldn't have um, fared very well in the employment market, uh, just like most people my age, you know, didn't at the time. So I, I think I have, let's say, relevant uh, education on this. So then what, what do I see now? Uh, as part of that, I, I kind of spent a lot of time, you know, studying the, the 2008 economic crisis to, to 2008. And that was kind of part of my academic work was like kind of looking at that and comparing it to what happened in these transition economies as they transitioned from command driven free market economies, what happened because what was happening sort of like in real time as I was studying that was that the U.S. government was stepping in and they were orchestrating this sort of like very unprecedented TARP program and they were doing the auto industry bailout and these things that kind of almost any sort of free market absolutist would be uh, inimical to, right? Yeah. These are not free market actions to take, right? And so that was kind of part of what I was studying at the time. And so what do you see now? Like you see, well, okay, first of all, this is a lot different than the global financial crisis, which was an asset bubble because this all this was catalyzed by a pandemic, which first of all affects the entire world all at the same time, more or less. And uh, it isn't tied to the sort of like fundamental health of the economy, right? So like this is purely driven right. by exogenous forces that were sort of like totally independent of any kind of like structural weaknesses in the economy. But it does actually exacerbate a bunch of structural weaknesses in the economy. There is kind of like a corporate credit bubble that has been forming since the 2008 global financial crisis because the interest rates were uh, brought to such a low level that all these companies could just load up on tons of debt. And a lot of it was not uh, kind of investment grade debt. It was, it was basically junk debt, right? They could just load up because interest was so cheap. These, these companies are not healthy, right? They're, they're actually very sick companies that were just basically surviving on debt. And they were using a lot of their cash to, to buy their own stock, which basically just enriches their executive kind of layer. So anyway, you've got like a lot of companies, you've got a lot of consumer credit, a ton of, so people focus on student loan debt, but actually uh, credit card debt is a serious problem. Auto right. debt is a serious problem. You get really indebted consumer class in the United States. And then you stack is thrown around, uh, you know, people have less than $400, to, you know, in their savings or whatever on average. Yeah. Uh, I, that's kind of been debunked, but the consumer class in the United States is, is in pretty rough shape. They don't have a lot of spare cash. And so you're going into a situation where I've compared this to like, what is the kind of economic impact of this? How, what could you compare it to? Me, it's like, uh, a Hurricane Katrina hitting every single metro area in the world all at the same yeah. time. Because if you look at what happened with Hurricane Katrina, retail was shut for m like three to six months uh, yeah. in, in a lot of parts of the city. Uh, the hospitals were overwhelmed or completely shut down. Everybody was basically unable to go to work. And so that's exactly what's happening now. Uh, so the consumer class is out of money. They're loaded up with debt. They're getting furloughed or laid off. Um, unemployment just hit 14% this week in the United States. It's a bad time. And so I don't think of this as a pandemic the pan or a quarantine. The quarantine is just one part of it, right? And yeah. so when you get all these ad tech execs writing these <laughs> weird puff pieces about how this is the best time ever to be in user acquisition and uh, the ad tech uh, is, is the sort of like ascendant vertical during this time, like, okay, maybe for like some 
app right. verticals and maybe for right now, but I'm kind of foreseeing like a prolonged protracted uh, depression level um, yeah. economic downturn. And so I don't think there's any reason to celebrate, right? It's like, okay, yeah. what was impacted early, mm -hmm. right? Like what did the quarantine absolutely devastate travel? It devastated yeah. dating, it devastated ride sharing. And, you know, that was just obvious. And like, I've kind of posted about this. It was just obvious from the downloads charts. Uh, but what else like really problematic? I, I don't know if you've been following the sort of layoff mm -hmm. lists mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley mm -hmm. companies that are not in these verticals that are actually touched directly by the quarantine are laying people off. Why yeah. is that? Because they were running unprofitably for so long. And they understand that there's probably very little access for the right. rest of the year to the private equity financing. Mm -hmm. So VC financing. And so they're just laying people, they're shedding costs, right? Yeah. Um, and even companies that do have access. So you saw Carta the other day laid off like 20% of staff or something, some huge chunk of their staff while also announcing a massive fundraise. Yeah. So even though they do have access or they are able yeah. to sort of stockpile cash, they're letting go of people because they need to re reduce their fixed costs. They're running unprofitably, right? What does this mean for marketers? I think the advertising sector is going to face some real pain in the next six to, to however many months. I mean, in the medium term, they're going to be facing yeah. real pain. I think Facebook is going to be facing real pain. Google just announced that they're uh, freezing hiring. This is not a party. Uh, there have been some verticals that have, you know, kind of experienced a spike, you know, but how got 50 million installs in, I think, March. Um, some games are spiking, but a lot of games aren't. And I think uh, in a lot of uh, e-com apps aren't. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I think you've got to really consider uh, whether you think your app is recession-proof or not. Because fundamentally, if it's not, then it doesn't matter if you're seeing a short-term spike in engagement. You're going to be seeing sort of like a long-term, um, you know, problematic period. Right. So from what everything you're saying and also have written about, sounds to me like there's a very systemic downturn that we are confronting over the next couple of months. Right? And uh, certainly one of the things you have written about is when the last recession happened about 10 years ago, it was followed by a huge drop in advertising spend. Uh, and of course, consumers, which was of course precipitated by, by a drop in consumer spending. Now, this was again before the app economy was anywhere on the horizon. If some would argue that, hey, app, the app economy is driven by microtransactions, like in 2008, if you had to you know, go buy video games, that would cost you like hundreds of dollars, which is not the case anymore, where you can buy lower ticket items in mobile games as IAPs. So which, if they were to argue that this is likely to be more recession proof, how would you think about that perspective? That's a really great, interesting topic to explore. App Store was launched in 2008, but you know, the App Store was kind of small at launch. It was mostly paid apps. So we don't really know how this impacts freemium games mostly but I, I think it's also like it's kind of a mistake to equate the sort of app economy with just games now and also it with just iaps because if you know ads ads revenue has become a huge part of, of app economy system as has subscriptions and those primarily exist outside of gaming i saw an article the other day that that said okay well the recession's not going to impact mobile gaming as much because the iaps the of digital products that people buy in games are luxury goods, right? And so luxury goods actually don't um, get impacted as much by recessions because, uh, you know, the disposable income or discretionary income doesn't shrink as much um, with rich people um, right. who, who are sitting on 
a lot of assets, right? And I, I, I don't agree with that. I haven't like fully formed my kind of thesis here yet, but my sense is that actually I believe IAPs and digital, digital goods probably act more like inferior goods um, in, a, in a recession. And so that means that consumer spending could spike on those because in a recession, people shift their spending patterns to inferior goods because they're cheaper, right? But, you know, at some point you just sort of run out of money, right? So like when you might see like, you know, meat sales, for instance, might drop in a recession, but go up, right? And so spam, uh, you know, the revenue increases because that's just more people can afford that. But only to, I don't know that you see that happening here because I think this, these are just non-essential purchases, right? And right. so like, the, the, now the, the, the problem here is, okay, even if you say that, okay, this is inferior good, so spending might increase. Yeah, but you can't, the, I don't know the, how you classify that within a freemium context. So I think you might actually say the freemium product itself is the inferior good and right. the IAPs are the luxury products, right? Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. you've got both classes of people existing within this product, but the luxury good, yeah, that's going to suffer. And the inferior good is the app itself. You're going to increase consumption of there. So what you might see is you might see a lot of more engagement and a lot less revenue. Right. Interesting. And I think that's a good framework to think about, you know, IAPs being lower ticket items, you know, how, but they're still more expensive than free. Right. And uh, I think that's good. Certainly something I'm very curious about how it shakes, how it plays out. The other dimension of all of this that I'm curious about is what you touched briefly mentioned, which is there are uh, ad-supported games, uh, which are a significant portion of the gaming economy now. Uh, that could be considered free, and uh, you know, uh, because the consumer isn't paying anything for it. How do you see the ad-supported economy being impacted by everything they're going through? Well, again, I think you might see a spike in engagement, but the thing is if CPMs bottom out, then those companies right. are going to make a lot less money. And, and I think the other thing that you have to consider with those types of games, and I mean, basically we're talking about hyper-casual and for the most part is, um, you know, these games kind of just exist in this weird sort of uh, soup of ad arbitrage, right? So it's just like right. hyper-casual games are mostly driven by other hyper-casual games, like selling impressions to other hyper-casual games. Um, and buying from other hyper casual games. And so, you know, what, how does that, like that probably just kind of collapses, right? Cause there's gotta be some element there that's, you know, kind of sparking the initial monetization. And it's probably uh, from, you know, like a, a sector that's just not gonna be doing as well, right? So like if, if, uh, if gaming companies start buying less inventory up, which is mm -hmm. like the kind of catalyst for these and flywheel of, uh, we're not flywheel, but that like sort of cycle of hyper-casual arbitrage, then it's ah. sort of like recursive, just acquisition cycle. Then that just immediately dries up. It feels like that is like a, a non-linear impact on CPMs. Um, right. And so I sense is the CPMs, they're just completely bottom out. And so we'll download those games a lot, but the games are probably not viable because the ads just don't make any money. Right. Yeah, I, I think the couple of anecdotal data points I've gotten seem to say CPMs are bottomed out, engagement's going up. So far, it's kind of steady, but these are a limited number of data points. And certainly we're not, you know, all of this is going to play out in the next couple of weeks and months as we go ahead. How would you recommend an app or a game uh, address some of these challenges uh, just in the short to medium term, how, how do you recommend them mitigate some of these financial risks that 
they may face as a result of the recession and a lot of the dynamics that are only starting to unfold. So here's where I think you see a big shakeout in the people that were doing true, you know, UA performance marketing and the people that were just kind of, you know, had teams spending VC money without any sort of regard for the sort of profitability of it. I released a workshop thing that I did, a webinar um, on YouTube. So people can go look at that. uh, Sure. It's called uh, marketing during a recession. Um, And then I did, I've done a couple of uh, like private kind of webinars for like VC funds or uh, portfolio companies to think about this stuff. Uh, So what I would say is just be conservative, you know, be conservative and with, in terms of your assumptions, be conservative in terms of your models, be conservative in terms of your payback windows, be conservative in terms of your cash outlay, uh, be conservative in terms of your budget distribution across channels. Just make sure that you feel very, very certain that every dollar you spend comes back. Um, and also you need to understand your cash, your cash flow timelines, because even if you're being super conservative and run your model and you're very, very certain around payback, you know, if you're paying yourself back, even in six months, three months, if if you're in a cash crunch and you've got no access to credit, uh, that's gonna be a problem. Like, I mean, some of these smaller advertisers, they could be spending 500 K, uh, a million a month, but they're running on a credit line that has kind of like a two to three month window. and And they've got to pay their expenses back, um, in a shorter time window than that. And, you know, they, if that credit line gets called, uh, yeah. they're, they're not in a good spot, right? So I think you just need to be very conservative and you need to know when your cash is coming back. You need to be able to plan that. You need to have a cash schedule. Um, and I would start thinking about, you know, everyone, everyone kind of thinks about the ROAS timeline. And a lot of people are really good at thinking about um, ability from a ROAS standpoint. I think now is the time when people need to get really good at thinking about profitability from a, a monthly standpoint. How much cash is coming in this month? How much cash is going out this month? And what's left over? Um, and I've kind of been beating that drum a little bit on the website, but also, I mean, I've, I've created some content around that in the past. Cause I just think it's something that I, just, I rarely see people do. It's like when times are, times are good, who cares? Like we're, we're, we're buying profitably on a row basis. doesn't matter. Like, you know, we can spend as much as we want. Well, when, you know, times are lean cash balance isn't that fat. You want to make sure that you're conserving as much cash as possible to keep the runway long. You need to know how much is going out this month, how much is coming back this month. And then you start getting into like the, the payment terms from like Apple and Google. So like Apple and Google, I'm getting paid two months basically in arrears, right? Yeah. Like I'm getting my Apple money two months later, essentially. Google's a little bit earlier, but um, so I'm thinking about like, what did I make last month? Well, if I've gone on a big user acquisition binge in the last two months, <laughs> you know, that money's due before the Apple money comes in. Um, right. So you got to think about that stuff. You just need to literally pull a spreadsheet out and say, this much money's coming in this month from two months ago from Apple, from last month from Google, and this much money's owed next month for this month's spend. I owe, I owe last month's spend this month. And yeah. like, then what's my bank balance going to look like at the, end of the, at the end of the month? Yeah. And I think as you have expressed, even before a lot of this crisis happened, LTV modeling is more about cash flow management and Again, maybe I'm mangling your words, but that was the broad sentiment you've expressed multiple times in a lot of your writings. And I think this merely emphasizes how important all of that is, how important it is to focus on financial sustainability in a lot of user acquisition activity. Right? I think another thing is, you know, it's not pleasant to think about, but, you know, if you see companies, there's a flight to quality across the board right now. And what does that mean for digital marketing? What does that mean for UA? It means Facebook and Google. Like I'm going to yeah. go to the channels that drive the highest like sort of volume um, yeah. with the most like sort of reliable volume with the most transparency, with the most tools. And so what does that mean for my team? Right. Yeah. Cause I can run Facebook and Google like one person each to millions yeah. of dollars. And 
you know, I don't need a big team for that. Um, so I think that means that a lot of the companies that were sort of bloated in terms of their UA teams are probably going to be cutting back on uh, their headcount, which is, is unfortunate, but it's, it's something you got to think about. Like, any, anytime you're in like economic downturn, you just, the, the first thing you've got to do is cut fixed costs. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, a lot of UA teams were kind of thinking about this before anyway, because like this, especially gaming, it's so feast or famine and cyclical. Um, how do I make sure that if, you know, if I'm in a moment where my big game is at the kind of end of its life cycle and my next big game is maybe six months to a year away in terms of my launch, how do I make sure that I don't have this massive UA team that's just like fixed costs and I'm, that I'm supporting to, to not spend any money? Right. Because um, you, right. see, you see that happen. I mean, so MZ laid off. Yeah, know, hundreds, hundreds of people on the marketing yeah. team. It's huge, huge org. Yeah, wasn't spending that much money. How do you how do you avoid getting in that situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, not pleasant things to think about. But one can be prepared. One can be conservative, and one can ride out the storm. Uh, Eric, this was very insightful, very instructive as always. Uh, any closing thoughts as we wrap? Yeah, it's just it's a troubling time. It's a scary time. Yeah. Um, I just like to uh, kind of think about how nice it's going to be to be at the end of the other end of this, and it could be overwhelming. Yeah. But uh, one thing that's kind of uh, brings some solace is just the idea that everybody's going through this, right? It's been a trying time, but it's also been a time of people. I think being more vulnerable and being more sort of like emotionally honest, and so mm-hmm. I think it's nice to, to be able to have this conversation about what you're going through with anybody. Anybody wants to have that kind of convo. Uh, the mobile dev memo Slack is a good place to do that. And Indeed. a lot of people there that can be sympathetic and offer good, earnest advice. Indeed. We will link to that. We will link to your Twitter just as well. And we will link to the upcoming mobile dev memo Academy just as well for folks who want to take advantage of this time to educate themselves, to upskill themselves for the next couple. Uh, we will link to all of that in the show notes. And uh, Eric, as always, this has been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for being on the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Yep, cheers. Be well. Thank you. Hey, everyone. This is Shamant again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mobile Dev Memo Academy preview series. And if this was of interest to you, and if you would like to go deeper into all things mobile growth and user acquisition, you should absolutely check out Mobile Dev Memo Academy. That's mdm.com academy with courses on very different facets of mobile marketing taught by some of the smartest people i know if any of this was helpful or instructive i would love for you to leave us a review or rating on itunes stitcher overcast or wherever you get your podcast fix this podcast takes a ton of time effort and love to produce and I deeply value every review and every piece of feedback that you share. Thank you for listening, and I will look forward to sharing our next episode soon.